Welcome to the Higher Podcast with Austin Gravit. Exclusive interviews with CEOs, celebrities, and top-tier guests in the entertainment industry that are making an impact in the world while making themselves a priority to stay in top shape. This is the Higher Podcast. Gravitating toward your higher self. Welcome to episode four of the Higher Podcast. I am your host, Austin Gravitt, and today we have a very special guest. Jesse Elder is an action philosopher, time piercer, author, mentor, speaker, entrepreneur, and all-around lover of life. He is also the creator of Prime Light, the world's most dangerous meditation. With his teachings of self-mastery, radical self-acceptance, and inspired action, he's focused on helping people to live a self-authorized, productive, and fulfilled life with far less struggle than most believe possible. Overcoming fears, developing the mindset of an influential leader, making marketing and sales a spiritual experience, opening up to wealth and attaining greater levels of clarity and confidence are all achievable through Jesse's simple yet incredibly effective methods and philosophies. People often report significant positive effects after experience with Jesse, such as big leaps in their income, reduced illness and chronic pain, greater joy, freedom, wealth of every kind. Simply forgetting to be angry, stressed, depressed, and becoming more loving towards themselves and those in their lives. Jesse, welcome, man. It's great to have you on here today. Austin, this has been a long time coming, man. Really looking forward to this. Dude, I I like, I was just saying before we hit record here, man, it's like, it's crazy to think, like just, and we were in your car, like what, uh, back in November, you know, when we had talked about this originally. And, you know, I was saying to you, like, you know, I want to start this podcast, but you're like, why? What's what's the why behind it? You know, what, what what's it going to make you unique? And and you really got me thinking. And I was like, you know what? This is why I want to do it. You know, this is why. And we're gonna we're gonna uncover a lot of that today. Um, but you know, I mean, it, a lot of it became really through my own experience with working with you and what you taught me, and all the great things you know I've learned from you, but you've been able to show me and really I put into application and. You know, today I just I really want to I want to dive deep into you know what you've been able to teach me and how you've been able to really develop this for yourself you know and, and where you started from the beginning with the martial arts school and and going back to I think we first met in 2016 but prior to that in 2013 you know when when uh, everything shifted for you but it's one of the things that like in the personal development world and in, you know, like spiritual growth and entrepreneurial growth, there's this feeling of like, you just want to arrive, right? You're in all this crap, you're in all this pain, you're in all this stress and struggle. You just want to get to a place where you just arrive and everything's perfect. And that's the promise for a lot of workshops and retreats. It's like fix what's broken and arrive to this place where like everything's just groovy. Well, there's another train of thought that says life is just always going to be hard. So suck it up, get used to it, be a stoic and just get used to the pain because it's never going to go away. And 
I just remember growing up, I heard philosophies that were kind of like these big promises, like someday you'll get to this place where you have no problems. And then on the other side, it's like, you're always gonna have problems, so just get used to it. And I just, that, none of that made sense to me. Like it didn't make sense to me that we're born so that we can struggle. And it also didn't make sense that you should try and arrive to some place in your life where you just never have any more growth and it's like this perfect frozen state of, you know, just rainbows and unicorn farts. And it's like, perfect. Like none of that seemed very exciting to me. And so what I thought was, what would life look like if it's not that you don't have problems, but like you, you know that you can't have anything come to you that you're not completely prepared to handle. Like what would that life look like? And it would be like playing this infinite video game that you know is a game and there's some fun parts and there's some tough parts, but it's all fun. And ultimately, you know, it's just a game. So you don't take it that seriously. And I think that that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they're taking life way too seriously because they feel like their survival is on the line. Their, you know, their existence is up for question. Like they got to get it right. Otherwise they're not worthy. And that just never really made sense to me. I think that if, you know, if there is a, a infinite intelligence, if there is a creator, if there is a God, then why would you make something that was broken? Like that just doesn't make any sense at all. And I think humans have sort of twisted the message that, you know, you're, you're somehow broken, you're like born in sin or, you know, you're deficient or it's generational trauma and that's why you're not doing well. It's like, well, those are all just beliefs. And so, you know, back in the early days, I just stopped asking what's true and I just started asking what's useful. And I started to find all sorts of things that I was like, not useful, not useful, not useful, not useful. Ah, that's useful. And that's been, it's been the journey now for damn near 50 years and it's just getting started. Yes, man. I, I remember when one of the first times um, I saw you speak at AJ's event, I actually, I had AJ on here when the first guy's tale and uh, you know, you two were the, who I really wanted on here just because of, of the perception, the way you see things. And I think it was around that time I saw you at AJ's event. You might've even said that, like I stopped asking, you know, what's true. And I started asking what's useful. And it sounds like that a lot of like, from what you're saying there, people will just automatically assume that what they hear from the outside world or what they hear from their friend is just true without actually questioning it, you know, objectively or, or excuse me. Yeah. Objectively for their, themselves and really feeling as if like, you know, having the ability to free think, you know, on what feels right to them. And so I think, you know, really to, to echo off what you said there is like, there's a lot of um, there's a lot that you've learned just through being open you know, to, to, to really anything. And, you know, and, and it sounds like a lot of what you've um, learned in the, like over the last few years, I mean, just from with going into your, you know, this, this space of business and how you got to where you are today, you had to be open, you know, how you had to be open and willing to, to, you know, ask what's useful. And so what are some of the things that really allowed you to get to hear that were useful, like to where you are today? That's, I love this question, man. One of the things that, that I recognize in my own, you know, I, I had this chain of martial arts schools. I've been a fighter. I had a great business, but I knew that it wasn't me anymore. Like that's just not like it served its purpose. 
Uh, I served it the best that I could and it's time for it to, for a change. So when I sold that business, I didn't really didn't know what I was going to do next. I knew that I would be helping people somehow because I'm, I'm a teacher and that's just what I was born for, but I wasn't sure what form it was going to take. And one of the things that I realized is that I had gotten so many habits from building that other business. Some of those habits would be worth keeping on to, but others weren't at all. And so one of the things was around time because I had this very tightly structured schedule. We had team trainings Mondays and Wednesdays. We had classes, you know, running Monday through Saturday. We had, you know, it was a very tightly choreographed schedule. It was very, very organized. And I realize now that I don't have that business. I literally can design a schedule that way that I want it to. And I realized then that I'm still limited by what I believe is possible. You know, it's like if somebody's never, if a kid has never had ice cream and all of a sudden you take them and you show them three flavors, there's chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, you know, which do you want? And they say, well, I want chocolate. They have chocolate. And then somebody else comes up to him and says, what kind of ice cream do you want? And they go, ah, I want chocolate. They might not even know that there's mint chocolate chip or, you know, some obscure Ben and Jerry's flavor. They're just not even aware of the choice. Therefore, they can't even choose it. So... I recognized that I was so free that it was almost intimidating because I had so much freedom. There's nobody to report to. There was no team, no employees. There was nothing. And so what I decided to do is just get as creative and as wild as I could with my schedule. So one of the things that I did is I stopped working on Mondays. And a lot of people thought that was really weird. They were like, hey, can we meet on Monday? I'm like, ooh, no, no, I don't, I don't work on Mondays. They're like, you don't? It like broke their brain. They were like, you don't work on Mondays? So I was like, no. Like Sunday is such a powerful day. I decided to have two of them. So I do Sunday and I do Sunday on Monday also. And they were just like freaking out because it's like, but you're not participating in the rest of the world. I'm like, mm. I don't want to participate in the rest of the world. I want to make my world. And things like that, as little as they seem, uh, it really builds your, your choice muscle. Mm. It really lets you decide like what exactly kind of life do you want to live? And we see, I mean, you work with entrepreneurs and you see that entrepreneurs oftentimes leave a 40 hour a week job working for a boss that they hate. And then they leave that and they go and start working a hundred hour a week job for a boss who's crazy, which is them. And then, but they're like, yeah, I'm free. I'm like, not really. You're still trapped by your beliefs. You're still trapped by your, your, uh, your habits. And so that's a big part of my work is helping people to just build habits from a place truly of inspiration and creativity. You can literally do whatever you want. There is nothing in the laws of physics that says you can only charge this much or, you know, there's nothing in the laws of physics that says you have to work with that person who's high drama, makes excuses and is a small thinker. Like nowhere in the universal law does it say you have to do that. But people accept that and they start doing it because they think that's what they have to do. And that's just is not true at all. Yeah, it sounds like the, these mental constructs like we like we create almost like in, in a sense where, you know, we we see everybody do it. We model people do it, at, at you know, at, at when we're growing up at birth, we see our, you know, our parents, let's say they they work X hours, this hours, then it's reinforced through school, then it's reinforced through, you know, our peers. And there's a big thing with as as humans, you know, it's, it's seen as like a threat if we don't go with the tribe, you know, 
we don't feel welcomed, if we don't follow what everyone else is doing, then it's threatening in a sense to, uh, if we go primitively, primitively back tribally, you know, that's, it's a threat. And so people will often um, not question. I heard this like crazy thing the other day and I'm going to butcher the quote, so I'm not going to say it, but it's like, people will quite like, they won't question what's wrong. Even if they know it's wrong, they'll do it anyway. If everyone else is doing it. Yeah. That, that is actually like one of the most powerful drivers of human behavior is social proof. You just look around and everybody looks and see what everybody else is doing. And that's what informs their decisions. And you know, I, I think that short of, I mean, the best thing anybody could do is to get a coach or mentor, be around a team of people who's doing what you want to do and who's further ahead and can help you, you know, as qualified and all that. Like, that's the best thing anybody can do. The second best thing is to just look at what everyone's doing and do the exact opposite of that. If everybody else is working really long hours, just ask yourself, what would it look like if I had a two hour work day? And then your brain would be like, that's impossible. And you're like, is it really? Is it really impossible? Or, you know, what would it look like if I just traveled around the world on one-way tickets? Because everybody else is staying in one spot, they're going to the office, or they're even working from their home, which sounds cool until you start doing it. You're like, uh, I'm missing out on a lot. So if that's what everybody's doing, then what's the opposite? Traveling one-way tickets, put all your shit in storage, just stuff a bag full of clothes and just head out on, in, into this world journey. I can't do that. Ah, now we're talking because now you're bumping up against your actual beliefs that was fueled by this impossible dream. And I hear this a lot from parents who will say, well, I'd love to travel, but you know, I got kids. I'm like, well, let's break that apart. Do you think travel would be good for your kids or bad for your kids? Oh no, it'd be great for them. Okay. Uh, so what you're saying is then you just haven't made it a priority, but you're blaming your kids mm. on lack of prioritization. Why you got to put it like that, man? Because it's the fucking truth. That's why. Like if you really want to do something, but you're choosing not to, and then you blame something or someone else, that's a very convenient way to dodge your own responsibility. Mm, wow. Yeah. Put it that way. It's it's crazy because it's it's almost almost like they can't see it. You know, it's blind, but it's it's blatantly there. It's obvious. You know, from an outsider's perspective, and. I want to actually riff like when you just said like the the part about doing the exact opposite what everyone else will do. That is that's the most true thing I experienced when we were working together is like when and we still are, but I'm saying like in terms of when I first you know started working with you, I was told the exact opposite. I I bought into the the lie of what the the entrepreneurial world tells everyone the you know the 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 Grant Cardones, the Gary V's, you know, they're great guys. They're not for me. Um, what I've found is that that mindset leads to very quick burnout and a very unfulfilled life. You can get super rich that way, but you feel very, let's just say you can get very wealthy that way, but you can feel, feel very unwealthy inside. Right. Very yeah, poor. Really well said. And, and then it just because it feeds itself because you get more, you get the dopamine hit of, you know, having, you know, a million new followers or, you know, truly making a difference in the world. Like that does feel good. But it always seemed to me that business was a vehicle for a better life, not the other way around, not having mm -hmm. my life be a vehicle for my business. And you no, know, that's, that's 
I, I think the beauty of this world is that you can literally get to make it whatever way you want. And just because someone else thinks one way doesn't mean that it's wrong. And like I've hung out with Gary and he, he is a, an authentic dude. Like who he is on stage and who he is in the green room is the same person. Um, same with Grant actually. They have, you know, they have different styles, but you know, Grant shows up on stage the way that he shows up in person. So there is an authenticity there. Um, but then like I just, I think about the, the end of my life, you know, let's say it's a hundred years from now and I'm looking back over my entire life I would really hate to take my last breath and be able to measure my success in client results and money that I've made. Like that just seems like a very small slice of what all this life experience has to offer. And so in addition to those things, in addition to, to client results, in addition to, to income, I think that having how many experiences have we had you know, how deeply have we loved? How deeply have we been hurt and allowed ourselves to feel that pain and then bring forward the insights and lessons from that pain? Uh, how much fun have we had? How many skills have we learned? You know, it's like most people can't play a musical instrument when it's not that complex. It seems like it, but if you just work at it a little bit, pretty soon you're pretty good. And it's like anything else. Most people only speak one language. Most people uh, don't know how to cook a meal. Most people don't know how to physically defend themselves. I mean, there's so many things that you get to do with this life, and yet people don't because they hide behind work or they hide behind a relationship, and they say, well, I'm just a mom or I'm just a dad, all that. It's like, well, if you actually love your kids, wouldn't it make sense to let your kids see you living a really exciting full life where you're doing all sorts of cool shit? And then that invites them to kind of join what you're doing instead of you telling them what they should do. Like, it's just, it's just weird. I mean, and I don't judge anybody. Like everybody gets to live the life they want to live. But, you know, I work with thousands of families in the martial arts schools and I would often hear parents say, Mr. Elder, what can I do to get my son to practice? And at first I would be like, oh, well, let's work out a plan. We'll incentivize him and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then I thought, wait a minute, your kids don't want to work out because they don't see you working out. And so I just said, well, you need to start training. Oh, well, I can't because of my back and this and that and the other thing. I'm like, mm, actually, uh, that's an excuse. You can totally find something that works for your current level and just do that. And then if you do that and don't say anything to your kids, just do that, watch what happens. And for the parents that did take that advice and get that wake up call and start going for walks or start doing pushups in the garage or put up a heavy bag and start hitting the bag. For those ones that did that, the kids automatically started following along. The ones who did, the parents who did that and told their kids that this is what we have to do, the kids hated it. They resented it. They didn't want to do it. Mm. So, you know, it's like in our, in our teaching, we talk about lighthouse and the tugboat. Mm. And that's really the way to do it. You know, if you want a true influence is co-creative it's somebody wanting to do the thing that you also want to do and if you and you can't make people want things and it's you know for entrepreneurs who are selling products and services you really can't make somebody want your product and service all you can do is make your product and service so good and so attractive that if they decide to want it you're you're the only option they have I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up about the lighthouse and the tugboat because if you're if you want to share that briefly what that like that metaphor is for for context with people the listeners 
Yeah, well, if you think about the, the way that we all operate in the world, um, you know, most people operate in a way that is, and I don't mean this to sound unkind, because uh, we, we've all done it, but a lot of people operate in a sort of needy kind of way, right? Like, I really need this thing, so let me get other people to do what I want them to do. And that takes all sorts of forms. It's, um, you know, manipulation, it's persuasion, which is nothing inherently wrong with those things, but if it's done in a way that's pushy and you're getting people to want to do the thing that you want them to do, you're trying to make them do it, you're bribing them, you're rewarding them, you're bullying them. People do it in relationships emotionally where they develop all these, you know, like there's the victim and the perpetrator and the rescuer and all these kind of things. It's like, that's one way to, to do it. Um, and especially if you're, if you're in a leadership position, to try and run out and get people to do the thing that you, that you think they should do is actually annoying. And so that's the tugboat. You know, the tugboat is going out into the harbor, or into, the, into the ocean, grabbing the ship, pulling it back in, goes out, hooks on another one, pulls it back in. At the end of the day, the tugboat's got all of these ships that it's pulled in, and it's like gonna get a stronger engine and you know stronger hooks and connections, and it's just gonna get better at pushing things around. But then the lighthouse, in this metaphor, the lighthouse is on the shore and the lighthouse has one job, which is just to illuminate. And it illuminates the rocks, it illuminates the harbor, and then the ships like do what they're gonna do. And I think that as leaders, if we're trying to get people to do something, then you know it's, it's, it's frustrating for everybody involved. But as, if you're a leader and you're saying, hey, here's the, here's the most likely consequences of continuing to do what you're gonna do, or better yet, asking them, what do you think the consequences will be if you continue to go in the direction you're going? And then what will happen if you make a significant change? And you just illuminate all of those possibilities. Now somebody can make the empowered choice, the sovereign choice from their ownership of their life to say, you know what, I'm gonna choose, continue going towards the rocks. Okay, as long as that's what you want. Nobody does that though. They, they make up excuses and they make up stories. But when you're in this lighthouse mode, they realize that it's an excuse. They realize that, oh, if I actually keep stuffing my face full of fake food, if I keep telling myself it's not that bad, if I keep telling myself, well, you know, after you turn 35, you start losing muscle, you start gaining fat. Cool, if that serves you to keep telling yourself that, rock it out. But if there's even one person who's an exception to that rule, then that means it's not a rule, it's just a story. It's just a belief system. And that's what you do so well, is just illuminating all of the landscape. It's like, yeah, you can keep sitting on the couch and stuffing your face full of Twinkies. You can keep drinking a six pack of beer every night. You can keep going to happy hour, which is the most ironically named thing ever. You can keep doing all these things. And 10 years from now, when you are too fat to get into your Ferrari, when you can't play with your kids because you're winded, when your doctors told you, don't take the stairs anymore because you might have a heart attack, just don't act surprised. Just realize that that is actually the future that you're aiming for, that you're choosing. Just don't act surprised when it actually happens. And that's the, that's, it, it's, the reason I think that that sort of message is so rare is because it requires having your own house in order. Mm -hmm. You can't, in ethically and, and with integrity, tell somebody to really look at their life and their choices unless you're doing the same thing for yourself. Dude, that, that like is, I, I can't agree with that more. Like that, how true that is. Like a hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause you know, think of it like the, 
if it was somebody who, you know, has a broken relationship and they're coaching how to get in a better relationship, or if it's somebody who's, you know, in hundred K in debt and they're trying to tell somebody how to become a, a millionaire, you know, at a place where they act as if they're already there. If it's the guy who's got the six or, you know, he's 30 pounds or not say, not say 30 pounds, say 300 pounds, you know, 30% body fat or 40% body fat. And he's telling people how to get six packs. You know, it's, it's, there's an incongruency there. Yep. And, and now they can have chat GPT, write it for them. Yeah, of course. Of course. All, all the, all the, and, and I love how, you know, I, I wanted to touch on the, yeah, the authenticity part in a little bit, but the, um, the thing you really said right there, the lighthouse versus the tugboat, the tugboat, the way I see it is like, you know, and, and maybe this isn't always the case, but the guy who's maybe he's, he's in that scarcity mindset, he's working really hard. He's, he maybe he's crushing his business, but he's neglecting himself. He's maybe a little passive aggressive, you know, to his, his spouse, or maybe it's, you know, he's not the best role model to his kids, or maybe it's just like to himself. He just has this negative like language that he says, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, how does a guy like that transition to the tug or to the lighthouse? Well, nature is perfect. Um, and everybody has built in mechanisms. Uh, What I mean by that is if you're, you know, driving down the road and all of a sudden you not paying attention and you get a little off the road and all of a sudden you're in the gravel. Well, the difference in those surfaces will be immediately obvious. You know, you're driving one minute, you're driving down the road, it's super smooth and your music's playing and you're driving your car. And then a couple of seconds later, there's this like you're static and it friction and, and it's rough. That's unignorable. Like you can't pretend that you don't notice that. And then if you keep going, now there's rocks. It's like, bam, bam, you're hitting these rocks. And then if you keep going, you're off the cliff. And then it's really kind of quiet for like three seconds and then it's over. So there's indicators when things are not in alignment. And this goes back to what we said or at the very beginning of this, this conversation. Life is actually supposed to be fun. Life is supposed to be smooth. It is supposed to be enjoyable. I mean, this life actually is a gift and we have free will, which means we can allow it to be what it's meant to be, or we can consciously, even though we don't know we're doing it consciously, we can choose to mess it up. We can choose to not be ourselves. We can choose to lie to ourselves about what we want and don't want. We can choose to lie to ourselves and say, it's not that bad. We can choose to lie to ourselves and say, well, I'll change it tomorrow. And nature will give you feedback. So when you're, you know, somebody's waistband starts expanding, that's feedback. When you're out of breath because, you know, you just took the stairs instead of the elevator, that's feedback. When you, um, I know you work with a lot of guys, you know, when the guy is with his partner and the, you know, lights are off and all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Happy doesn't want to show up for work. It's like, that's feedback. What most people do when that happens is instead of looking at the big picture and thinking, wow, thank you for this feedback. I'm going to get back to being myself. I'm going to get back to living the life that I'm meant to live. They usually just look for a way to numb it out, to sedate it so that they don't have to see that. And, you know, it's like, again, to use a, a driving metaphor, because we both like cars. If, you're, if your fuel gauge is showing empty, you know, your battery on the Tesla is down to like, you know, you got like three miles of range. 
or if you're in a, if you're in an M car and you know you've got like that last that orange light comes on, and you're like, oh, I don't like that indicator, so you go to the store and you get some duct tape and you just tape over the indicator so you don't have to see that anymore. Well, then when you run out of fuel, you can't be surprised. And that's what life gives us is all sorts of indicators. And the very first indicator that we have is our feelings. Something feels right for us or it doesn't feel right for us. So when somebody, you know, most people have the experience of going to school, which they don't want to do, but everybody around them is doing it. So I guess I'll go. And then you learn like, well, I'd rather be with my friends and be by myself. Um, but most people didn't like love taking tests and love, some people do. Um, they, they generally have a really hard time when they get into the job force, but um, those feelings matter. Like the feelings of what feels right for you, you know? And, and that's why when, you know, when a, when a child is really given freedom, and you ask the child, hey, what do you want to do today? But you, if you're the parent or you're the caretaker, you're the one who is sort of setting up all the options. And then the child's like, oh, I want to go play on the monkey bars. I want to go, um, you know, play in the, in the dirt. I want to go ride my bike. Awesome. Then the child gets to have the feeling of freedom and, and keep that intuition intact. Um, but the caretaker's, you know, making sure that there's only things that are pretty safe. I really think that that's our relationship with God. You know, God's like, what do you want to do? And you're in an environment where you can't mess it up. Like you're totally safe. So, and that's a whole other conversation, but when somebody chooses to just honor their own feelings and to actually take their own feelings seriously, because those feelings are indicators. If you feel joy and you feel love and you feel purpose and you feel just conviction and you feel really good, keep doing more of that. If it feels frustrating, hard, heavy, um, scary, angry, if, if it's that, it's like uh, there's probably something there that's trying to give you a signal. Now, a lot of people will take a feeling of fear, for example, and immediately run from it. Mm. Uh, sometimes that just means you just got to practice more. Sometimes that means you just got to train a little bit harder. Sometimes it means, yeah, do the thing that's scary because it's an irrational fear. Like having that, that, what feels like a difficult conversation with somebody and being really vulnerable and really sharing how you feel, but it feels scary, but you're not going to die. And that sort of self-mastery is, is really is what creates freedom in life. So it, it sounds like, yeah, with, with what you said there about feelings and it will we'll say feelings more so than emotions. It's a lot of it is almost like a biological signpost, if you will, or um, more so I, what I love more is the metaphor used of like the gauge, because I don't believe a sign is really one subject. It's, it's really one objective thing. Like, you know, don't go over 45 miles an hour or don't, the bridge may be icy, but the gauge, if you will, is like, okay, your fuel is like almost empty. You have about 10% left versus 50, you know? So it gives you more of a numerical, or you could say a more of a barometer reading, right. uh, looking at it from that perspective. And some emotions are heightened rather than others. I guess we could say like some, you know, that fear could be not just fear itself, but it could be a, a higher magnitude of fear. And maybe that's possible possibly something to look into a little bit more explore if it's higher than than lower um you know what's beneath that if you will so yeah yeah exactly and your feelings you made a good distinction between feelings and emotions you know emotions are i mean they come and go they're like waves on the on the top of the ocean 
feelings are are deeper you know it's like it's it's the real sense of what's going on in your body uh, what's going on inside your your being what's going on in your systems and that feeling is is what's right um, you know that there's a lot of people who who now say that feelings don't matter and it doesn't matter how you feel just you know fuck your feelings and go for it it's like okay um, when your body starts giving you signals later on as a result of those suppressed feelings, um, that won't be an accident either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's like, like you just said right there, so many people avoid that. There's like this, this weird stigma, especially with men, like to, to be, you know, to be tough, to be a man, but really at the end of the day, all you're doing is just you're pushing away something that's going to just perpetuate itself. It's going to just magnify itself by pushing it away even more. Yeah, exactly. And everybody around you can tell. I mean, especially uh, kids and women tend to be a lot more intuitive than men are. And so everybody around you can feel it. If if you're a guy who's not talking about your feelings because you never had a good role model for that, or maybe you did talk about your feelings but then somebody wasn't able to handle that or maybe you expressed your feelings in a way that scared them and then they freaked out and left and then you made that mean oh i guess i can't talk about my feelings well there is a there's definitely a, it's it's there's an art form to it right nobody wants to be around someone who's a total you know drama generator male or female you know it doesn't like nobody wants to be around somebody who's just always got problems but for a man or for a woman, but for a man to say, you know, I, I'm feeling, uh, you know, I, I feel this this fear, or I feel anxious, or I feel this crazy feeling of joy, like I don't know where it's coming from, to talk about your feelings, especially if it involves another person, to not make it about the other person, but just to say, this is what I'm feeling, and I care about you, and so I want to include you in, in what's going on for me. Like, that's a pretty powerful thing. And for, again, for men, if you can sort through your shit on your own, do it. Like, handle your shit. Have other guy friends. Have other people that you're talking to. Get a therapist. Get a coach. A place that you can work all this stuff out so that you can show up strong and powerful and solid and emotionally available for your partner. I mean, it's, it's not that complex. It's just rare. If, if now, I, I really like how you brought up the work on yourself, work, reach out to someone for help, reach out to the, whomever it is. But if you were just individually, let's just say if someone was there themselves, like, and you know, they, they had someone to talk to, but just for the moment they, they needed to get in touch with their feelings. Like what would you recommend or what would you do? Like, what would be like, how have you got really in touch with your feelings? What has been like the, the powerful thing for you? That's a good question. Um, I found that silence and solitude is really powerful. Like just going for a walk by yourself, no music, no phone, and just go for a walk, be with your thoughts, and just as you're moving, just notice what you're feeling and without judging it. You know, it's like you can feel anger, you can feel fear, it doesn't mean anything. It's just there. And so you can just be acknowledging of that. And then when you finish the walk, like get a journal and write down mm -hmm. What are, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? And that's a, it's a useful way to sort of take inventory and build a sort of emotional fitness. Um, at the same time, 
it's very common to say, well, I want to change the, I want to change the thing that's causing me to feel this way, right? Like, oh, I'm not making enough money. I need to go make more money. It's like, well, that's, you can, but it's also really powerful to just take stock of how far you've come and to look at where you are now compared to where you were a year ago. And even if things feel down compared to a year ago, well, what have you given? Who have you connected with? What experiences have you created? What fun have you had? What memories have you made? What new lessons are you aware of as a result of going through all of this stuff? And you know, also, what have you tried that you now know for sure doesn't work? A year ago, maybe you thought it might work. Now you've been doing this shit for a year. It definitely doesn't work. Just that act of getting more conscious of all the things you've tried will really help to, to loosen things up. And then you start adding in things that are a little bit more, uh, you know, like a more feminine energy. So, you know, do cooking, do music, do like get in touch with the more sensual things of life. Not necessarily sexual, although that's awesome, but sensual, you know, I mean, make your space around you feel good, clean it up, organize it, get some art on the wall, like, you know, get, get some candles or something. I mean, make your space a little bit more alive. And a lot of guys hearing this may be like, that's it, I don't want anything to do with that. It's like, well, if, if we're on this planet to experience a full spectrum of experiences, then, I, I mean, there, there's a, an old, I think it's a, an Irish saying, they said, never give a sword to a man who can't dance. So, like, don't train somebody to be lethal unless they're also proven that they can be uh, warm and safe and, and loving. Wow, I like that right there. I really like that. And and I think you really put that into a, a very uh, layman's terms, we could say simplistic way to understand that is like it's 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 you know, it's such a we often make this concept so complex, I think, as a, as a society, especially you know, it's so stigmatized, you know, for men to be like, again, to reiterate the man, be the man, be tough, you know, don't show your emotions. And I think that really, when you get into that realm, that space, that feminine energy, you really start to learn more about yourself and your emotions from to, to bring this back around what you said. And the solitude, I really like what you said there and going for the walk. And I know something I really enjoyed that again, the, the most dangerous meditation. I never knew it was coined that way. I think it's the, yeah, the most world's most dangerous meditation, the prime light, man. I feel like that's like, it's such a unique way of dropping into that like higher consciousness state. And you really start to tune out of everything else and really get tuned in of, of you. And, and, and so if you, if you could touch on that, like the, the prime light, like what that is. Yeah. The, the, like I, I discovered meditation very accidentally when I was um, in my late teens and early 20s because I was competing in all these tournaments as a martial artist and then I started doing these like fight club um, fights. No rules, no weight limit, no time limit, no safety equipment, you just get in there and fight. And it was very intense. Uh, I knew that I had to do it to prove myself, but I was so nervous, man. Before these fights, I would just get all worked up and I found that visualizing was the only thing that would make, take away the fear and the anxiety of the match. So I started visualizing and then I realized that as I would lay down or sit to visualize, I was very still and I would just feel this calm coming over my body. And it was a while before I realized that I could 
do that like on purpose. It didn't just happen. You can make it happen. As, as weird as that sounds, you can literally make nothing happen. You can cause this peacefulness, this nothingness. You can actually trigger it. And so I started tweaking it, meditating and trying all different things. Um, I did research and study a lot of other kinds of meditation. And I just, and I don't want to be careful what I say here because I know that there are a lot of people that get tremendous value from all sorts of things. So I'm not crapping on any other you know, modality if somebody's getting value from it. I've just found that with a lot of meditations, a lot of practices, that there's all this like very complicated language, you know, and it's like, you know, this person from this era and this time, and then they ate that fruit, and then we named this breath combination after them. It's like, what the fuck does that have to do with me chilling out? You know, it's like, I don't really want that. Um, and if somebody does, great, like, good for you. But I realized that by being still and by focusing my attention in a particular combination of, of ways, uh, really crazy shit started to happen. Um, and so somebody can find the meditation on Spotify. I don't need to go into the whole thing here. It's like 20 minutes. Um, there's a few minutes on the podcast episode of the meditation where it is explaining what's going to happen, but then it's a guided meditation. But man, this is the thing that really does put the world on pause. And the reason why I started calling it the world's most dangerous meditation is because what the world wants is conformity. This is a world designed to make everybody the same, even though, you know, there's all this talk about individuality, but really most people are just kind of like everybody else. Um, they think the same, they act the same, they breathe the same, they eat the same, they, you know, vote the same. It's like, doesn't matter who you vote for, you're voting for the same system. And, and again, if somebody's finding great value in that, rock it out. But the individual who's truly living life on their terms is a very scary thing for uh, for a lot of people. And what makes it dangerous isn't that you're harmful to anybody else. In fact, you become infinitely more peaceful, but you just stop playing the games that everybody else is playing because it just doesn't interest you. You're playing your game. And when this is a meditation that you, that you re return to, you start to feel that all that stress that's built up is just because of getting hooked into all the games of the world. And when you do this meditation and, and you find that connection with yourself again, and you find that connection with your purpose, and you find that connection with whatever you believe is a higher power, all of a sudden the volume and the static of the world gets turned way down. And it's like your tanks are just full. You literally feel like the best version of yourself. And what's crazy is that it's like 20 minutes away. Like people will drive, you know, hours to go on a vacation. They'll, they'll spend money and they'll do things to try and get to a different state. You literally can stop what you're doing, close your eyes and be absolutely still for 20 minutes and get to the most peaceful, blissful, like safe, calm, clear, oh, I know exactly what to do now. Like it's, it's crazy, man. And it's free. That's the thing. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. It's literally silence, stillness, and solitude. And all of that's inside of us. Well, what you just said right there about conformity and people seeking something outward to experience something inward, the meditation is always there. And it's often seen as stigmatizes 
unconventional to to what to do in, in at least in Western society. You know, it seems like if you meditate now, it's become a little more normalized. But it's like if you you meditate, why wouldn't you just go on vacation and spend money on the you know this car or do this thing? You know, get this objective or materialistic thing to make you happy. And it's it's again, it's that conformity thing. It sounds like from what you mentioned, like the normal people see that as the norm when really everything you have is here right now. You can access it here right now without spending a dollar. Yeah. And it's almost too easy for people. And it's almost too easy. And that's the thing is people want it to be hard because they think that's the reality of it. They're conditioned for things to be hard. And like, I know you've said that before with the people choose to struggle because they think that's the normal thing to do. Yep. They look around everybody else. Everybody else is struggling. I guess I guess I should struggle. Yeah. Be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love how you put that there though, about getting silent and just, you know, being able to access that right now. And the, the thing that I remember, I'll never forget this too. And this is similar to what you had mentioned there about with time and, and a little bit of a, those listening may see this a little esoteric, but I, I like this. I like this. And I know it makes sense when you explain it way better than anyone else is how time is nonlinear. I know you had that one video about what is it looking into. And I, and I want the reason I'm bringing this up for those listening is specifically if you're unhappy with where you are right now, I I'm telling you. If you can get clear, like Jesse said, about visualizing and and seeing what that perfect body or what that perfect you know, relationship with your spouse looks like, getting clear on what that is, you're in your future self. You have that right now. You can access that right now. And I want you to, Jesse, if you can like touch on that, that concept, because that's really what, what allowed me to get to hear for you are uh, me and you talking today. Like when I first saw you in a seminar, like it's, I wanted to for us to talk and work together, you know, one day and, and here we are. Yeah. Well, there, there's, you just touched on it that, that, I mean, as weird as it sounds, everything really is inside of us. All the thoughts, all the feelings, all the things, everything that we want is already inside. We have things around us that match how we're feeling. Um, but ultimately it starts from the inside. And the idea of time is an interest, interesting one. Um, Ironically, we probably won't have time today to talk all the way about time. But the past, which we can remember, um, we can read about, we can talk about, we can actually only think about the past right now, which means that functionally speaking, subjectively speaking, the only way the path or the only time the past exists is right now. It only exists when you're thinking about it and talking about it. Same thing is true in the future. The future only exists right now when we're thinking about it, talking about it. It's not some place that all of a sudden you get there and you go, oh, I've arrived to the future, this day that I've been talking about. Because when you get there, it'll just be another now. It'll just be another today. And you know, when did anybody ever wake up and go, oh, it's tomorrow? It doesn't work that way. You wake up, it's today. It's always today. It's always going to be today. There's no other day that you can actually live inside. And so, you know, at the time of this conversation, this recording, today is Wednesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday won't be today. Tomorrow, Wednesday will be yesterday. And then tomorrow, today will be Thursday. 
And then on that tomorrow, Thursday, the new tomorrow will be Friday. So it's like we can use these words to try and think about time, but we, we're always only now. So the better we get at our now, the better our next is going to be because everything in this universe operates on habits. It always operates on patterns of momentum. And everybody listen to this, me, you, everybody listening, you're going to do tomorrow what you do today, pretty much the exact same thing. You're going to do next week what you're doing this week. Like it's unless something major changes, it, what's going to happen next week is basically what's happening this week. And that's why it's so important to take conscious control over what you're thinking, what you're feeling, because that's what gives you access to new thoughts, new choices, new possibilities. When somebody says no, consciously or unconsciously, to new choices, new endeavors, new adventures, new journeys, when they say no to those things, then they're, they're creating a guaranteed life that's going to be exactly next week what it is this week. And that's why it's so important to find new possibilities and, and begin to dare to think in new ways and just, bottom line is, just start to say yes to new things. And maybe it's something simple like going to eat in a new restaurant. Maybe it's making a new meal. I know that sounds so weird, but it's amazing how those little things can start to lead to bigger things. And next thing you know, you're taking a road trip. Some people might listen to that and go, what does that have to do with me making more money? It's like, well, have you ever charged 10 times for your services what you're charging now? No. Why don't you think about that for like a day? What would it look like if I were to charge 10 times more? What would I have to do? Who would I have to become? What would I have to create and produce? Who would I have to communicate with? Now we're talking. Like now it's new. Now you're creating something that hasn't been created before and you're doing it now which increases the likelihood of you doing it more. And the more you do this, the better you get at it. Pretty soon you arrive at that time where you're actually literally charging 10 times more than you're charging right now. And you're serving a very different population. People who have the means, who have the desire, they have the ambition. Uh, you've leveled up your service and your value. So you're connecting at a whole new level. And all of that goes back to just thinking a little differently and having the courage to do so. So a lot of it is like changing your now will change your tomorrow. It's inevitable. And, yeah. and and so so let's say the guy who's killing it in business, but he's neglected, let's say his family because his health is the is the main cause, what would be the thing that he would need to change now? Yeah, I mean it, it's the best thing. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, we've worked together, but the the best, fastest way that somebody can change is to get help. I mean, when I was fighting and I wanted to be a better fighter, I found out who's the best people that I can train with and I moved my entire life around to train with them. When I wanted to improve my business, I found out who's the best in the business and I'm gonna go train with them. And I flew to train with my mentor, um, flew from San Antonio to Florida 18 months in a row to go train with my mentor. And then after that, I became business partners with them because I wanted access to more and more and more. So the fastest thing or the fastest way to change is to get a coach, get a mentor, somebody who's living the results that you want to live, who's helped other people get what you want to get, who can help you sort through your own bullshit, who can call you on your excuses, who can celebrate with you, 
like that is literally the fastest way. I mean, there's, you can do YouTube university and you can mm-hmm. buy books and you can read like one page of the book and then put it on your shelf. You can buy exercise equipment that becomes a laundry rack in your garage. You never use it again. Like you can do all those things and tell yourself in the moment that I'm making it happen. You can go join a gym, but there's a reason why gyms are not packed. There's a reason why exercise equipment is all over Facebook Marketplace and pawn shops and Craigslist. It's because people buy that shit and don't use it. Um, but the, the success rate of people who hire a coach is astronomical, and that's and that's the best thing that I would suggest for somebody. Yeah, I mean that's that's why we're here today. I'm with it. So so no, I I definitely that that's that's very well said, man. Is is and I know we're we're kind of tight here on time, but. I, um, I think the one thing that really stood out today is, is, you know, a lot of just reiterating what we talked about is all there is, is now. And if you take everything we talked about today, if you want to change, if you want to become better, and I say, if you speaking plurally to everyone listening, if you want to become better Focus on what you can do now, one step at a time. And maybe all this stuff you heard today isn't, you can't do all of it, but you can find one thing that you can do that's going to lead to the next best thing and the next best thing. And so, you know, that's, that's just my advice. But, but one thing um, I wanted to ask you, Jesse, one last question. And I asked everyone this and and it's so weird because I feel like you almost teleported to this moment and knew what I was going to ask, because you like use some of the language of the question of your last breath, you know, what's the last few things, which is super crazy because no one's ever like even come close to this question, but you almost answered it for yourself. My question is this is I want you to first imagine that you're on your last breath and you've created everything you've wanted to create in your life. You've done it all. You have to take everything with you. You have to take all your content you created, it's take all the LXG calls, all the other calls, all the podcasts, all the calls you've had with people, all the seminars, everything that's been recorded. If you take everything with you and no one has access to it anymore, it's all deleted. But you get to write down one thing you know to be true or at least useful, we'll say, about your life that you would leave behind for everyone to read. What would that one truth be? That's a great question and a great setup too, because it, it takes away the the legacy piece that so many people are, are concerned about. Uh, let's see, timeless. I really, I think it would, I would just say, just do you. Like, I don't care if anybody remembers me or not, honestly. Like, I'm not here for anybody else. I'm here with people, but I'm not here for them. So I don't care if anybody remembers me um, or not. But if I were to leave that useful piece of advice that uh, would somehow be taken seriously because of who I lived as, uh, then I think just just do you. Like, you you are the authority of your life. You can choose to make someone else more important than you, or you can choose to make something else more important than you. Uh, but ultimately, I think we're in a partnership with this this universe, and I think that it's what we are focusing on and what we're choosing that's actually causing this universe to become more. So your feelings, your thoughts, your choices, your desires matter more than I think most people will probably ever know. 
You know, I love that. I love that because it's 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 so and it's you. You know, it's you saying for you, and I love that, man. And um, I just I gotta say, I really do appreciate just not obviously this this we could say this hour of time. You know, based off what we said, if time even does exist, you know, but this hour of time, what is time? Um, this hour of time we just spent together, but also just everything that's led to this moment today that you've demonstrated you've shown and selfishly i've been able to to put into place you know you've you not only have helped me but by helping me it's made a far impact on so many other guys i mean this podcast in general who this will maybe even help you know someone going through some rough moment and hearing you and what you had to say and and so i just want to reiterate this co-collaboration of everything we've done in the past uh it is it, words can't even describe how grateful i am just to be able to you to come into my life and and be able to experience this man and um you know it, i just really appreciate all you're doing you know the time you make for people how real you are you exactly are who you are on camera on social media you're the most motherfucking authentic person i've ever met in my life seriously dude and um you know, it's, I feel like in a, in a time of where there lacks authenticity with chat GPT and everything, this is the most important time to be authentic and not that you should strive to be authentic because of that, but I'm saying just be you and you are authentic, man. And, um, I mean, it's just what you do for people, you don't realize how much it helps them. And I just want to say thank you. So fully received my brother <laughs> so what a journey absolutely man yeah, with that more what's that come. more to come more to come the better it gets the better it can get that's right <laughs> well much that's love dude. and everybody listening to this hope this was uh will prove useful to you guys austin is uh one of a kind the, the dude really really cares he cares about you he cares about his work and if you're in any way connected with austin you uh you're in very good hands Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Is there anywhere that people can find you? Um, yeah, Instagram, Time Piercer, okay. uh, Jesse Elder on uh, Facebook. And uh, that's about it. Cool. Awesome, man. Thank you. My pleasure, dude. This is the Higher Podcast. Gravitating toward your higher self.